believe me, I, there's an importance to market data. And I think the market data is more important than historical, meaning what's moving in the market? What are people searching for right now in my market? Because we're going into winter. Plug that historical data into those to see the market data. And if those things balance out, it's, I think it's a stronger purchase decision than just looking at the market. Welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse Mobility Tech and Connectivity Podcast. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thank you for joining in. Today is Halloween, so happy Halloween to you. Folks, this is a podcast where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. And that involves the used car business. So in this episode, we feature my conversation with... LotPop founder Jason Rice. Now, LotPop helps work with dealers on improving gross and volume. And Jason meets with me on this month's used car marketing dealer strategy session. This is a program that we started running earlier this year. We get together about once a month, typically on the first or second Tuesday. Sometimes it's a group of us, three or four of us, and we, we talk about the used car business. We talk about the market trends, technologies, best practices, you name it. In this instance, it's Jason and myself, and there is so much in this podcast to listen to. I've broken up some of the pieces to give you to speed things up a little bit, but for the most part, you're going to get the whole conversation as it was. So we start off the conversation like we normally do, talking about market trends, used car SAR, new car sales. Jason sees those dropping over the next two to three years, as do most forecasters and speculators as well. Now, OEMs are pushing incentives aggressively still uh, for new cars. And then we have a seasonal drop in wholesale prices, plus the off-lease uh, vehicles returning into supply. And another fine note in there is how large independents are driving wholesale prices up. I have a great soundbite for you, Jason, here talking about the importance of focusing on things that you can control, such as what you do with your depreciating assets. You can't control the stock market, right? Um, if you if you want to talk about investments and depreciating or increasing or not, you know, if I had a million, two million dollars invested in the stock market, I can't control that. I can maybe move it around, but if if a recession hits again, you know, again, so that's out of my control. But what you can control is your million or two million dollar of assets sitting on their and used cars. It's a depreciating asset, you know, and we talk about dealers uh, all the time. They say, well, you understand my, my dealership's a little different. Well, your buyer might be different, meaning you might have more subprime customers than the other guy, or you're in a market where they, you know, they have people that like to negotiate more, don't want a lease and things like that. But the laws of depreciation float over every dealership. It doesn't matter if you're a Mercedes store in, Hill, in Beverly Hills or a mom and pop store in Harlem. I mean, you got a depreciating asset. And the sooner you get off it, the better. And the cleaner you are, the cleaner you are in used corporations and keep that depreciation at a limit, the stronger new car you can be. You know, when new cars are down and you need to start stepping up on trades and discounting new cars more to push more new cars, you can be making it up on, you, you can bury, put yourself into some bad trades just to get some deals. But if you got an aging problem, it's hard for you to do. And something else Jason emphasizes is the importance of being clean with your vehicles. I don't mean scrubbing and washing them. 
we mean the money that you put into them, what you're acquiring them for, and how you dispose of them. The cleaner you are, the better off you will be. Keep it lean and clean. Stay on a 60-day policy. Our best store is pushing 60 to 70% of their sales in the first 30 days. That's where the money is. That's where the gross is. And if you can do that, you're going to be able to stay on top of that investment dollar and make the, make the most gross potential. But you got to have 60 to 70% of your inventory there to do that. So you can't have 20% age and get away with that. If you keep pushing that first 30, keep your inventory clean, the stronger you are there, the stronger new car you can be to help make up the sales and grab it from somebody else. So here we go. Enjoy the rest of the conversation. You're going to hear Jason and I talking about uh, ways that you can go into your CRM and evaluate your historical data in ways to improve profitability. You'll hear Jason emphasize that market data is more important than historical data, but you can't ignore historical data as well. Believe me, I, there's an importance to market data. And I think the market data is more important than historical, meaning what's moving in the market? What are people searching for right now in my market? Because we're going into winter. So if I look historically, convertibles were selling in the last few months, and now they won't be. So there is going to be some nuances to looking at historical data. But you know, if you're a Ford store, there are certain cars that move better on your lot than, than others. And so looking at some of that historical data, if you're light in 17s and you're light in a compact car, you know, can I find a 17 compact car that has moved well in my market, either Ford or non, especially if I need to, to broaden my horizon, grab more market share, maybe I'm going to look at non-Fords to do that. And if I can look at what historically maybe has done well, last 45 days, 60 days, 90 days, however far you want to go back, but grab that year, make model, trim information and put it into the marketing tool. Um, like I said, if you have the auto first look, dealers link, whatever, inventory plus, plug that historical data into those to see the market data. And if those things balance out, it's, I think it's a stronger purchase decision than just looking at market. You know, I can just look at market, but if I, I'm a, I just talked to a Maserati store and carrying a Kia at a Maserati store might be risky because not that you can't sell it, but maybe customers are intimidated to buy a Kia with average credit at a Maserati store. So can I do that as a Maserati store? So there's going to be some nuances. And if you historically been able to do that with Kia as well, then keep buying them and know that you can handle that type of market. Now, Carvana comes up briefly in the conversation and its continued quest to gain, to, to gain market share. And something else we talk about is Costco's used car business, which is growing uh, steadily as well and what that means for dealers. You know, Carvana continues to uh, see its prices, its stock prices soar. It is, it is rapidly gaining market share. Uh, they went from ground zero two years ago to now being in the top 10 of 100 uh, used car um, you know, dealers in the nation, uh, yet despite their uh, you know, actual, actual profit, profit losses. Now, Costco's used car business uh, doing pretty well. I think I had, um, last year, the pro, uh, their used cars went up 57%, uh, on used car side to 104 new car sales last year rose 21%. Um, and there's, you know, that's still going up They're uh, they're up, uh, over 10% so far this year compared to last year. Jason, do you, do you have, um, Dealers that are using the cost car program for new, you know, I don't dig into that that much, but I could tell you, I think it's um, perceptions, reality type of thing. And what I mean by that is, 
Costco and Sam's Club have these car memberships for a long time. New was a, a more popular than used because obviously new cars are pretty similar across the board. Um, so somebody can look in for a particular black vehicle, year make model, and they can submit it at multiple dealers, had them, you know, it's not like a used car. And so a lot of people, I think perception wise, they needed to buy and test drive a used car from a dealer because they need to go in and test drive and everything else. As you can see with Carvana and the way they've taken off and as people get used to buying other things online and without touch and feeling them, I think the more comfort they get into, um, you know, maybe doing a program through Costco because, you know, the perception was they used to have to go into dealers and, and have them following up or contact the dealer. But if I can maybe use Costco to buy this used car, because again, they're, they hear or see or if done buying online. Uh, on a used car and had comfort with that. Now their perceptions change and say, well, you know what, let's just try it out. And I think that's what's going on with the industry. You can see that why the, the, the things like the Carvanas and rooms and stuff can, can, can take off a bit. And so I think that's where the gross is, you know, it's the same with when Costco and Sam first were used to buying back then we had venture, we had target and we'd go buy, you know, some people couponing might buy a few things at bulk, you know, two or three, things of toothpaste because they got a coupon but they they weren't used to buying in bulk and then all of a sudden they go into these clubs and now I can buy in bulk and it saves me money and I know I'm going to use it and then you realize what you should and shouldn't buy in bulk you know how many times we go into Costco almost every other week or at least once a week and we buy stuff in bulk and they're throwing half of it away so you start learning yeah. what to do what not to do and then you, again you see these car things every time I go to Costco there's six cars lined up with dealer signs in them and stuff and as I got comfortable buying in bulk and then as i'm getting comfortable buying online and getting comfortable without having to touch feel and smell things then I, I might look at a used car without having to go through the dealer or go through a service like costco to get me to the dealer um, so i think it's a, a that kind of perception thing that's maybe helping that take off on the use end i could see that and another edge that costco has i think that's that uh is good for consumers is their select pre-owned program so if you're a franchise dealer, you can't sell a CPO, but it's a good car. So you could offer your own, you know, this is our own certified used warranty, but it's not really the manufacturer's CPO. Costco has parameters. I think uh, it must ha have at least six months and 6,000 miles left on the original, original factory warranty. And not to say that's the only criteria, but mm -hmm. they can classify it as select pre-owned. And you get that the cut the customer gets that that warranty assurance, if you will, uh, yeah. through Costco. And as more people are buying certified, you know they see the benefit of it. Um, and or as they bought more new cars over the years, they see benefit of having a warranty versus mm -hmm. maybe a lot of people used to buy used, but end up buying new with the economy getting good. New car takes off or leasing one. Um, I know I did, you know, here I am in a car business and a lot of times I didn't buy a warranty because I worked at a car dealership and I can just get maybe a discounted service. Mm -hmm. But as my kids start driving or as I got out of the car business and start working on the vendor in, you know, I went ahead and bought a warranty and then all of a sudden I see the benefit of it. And so now I see the benefit of having a CPO or a warranty and yeah, to have somebody like Costco backing it up, you know, would be more appealing than just buying it independently anyways. And I would say cars today are, are becoming more like computers, very sophisticated. It's not like the days of old where you could just kind of get under the hood and, and do stuff yourself. So uh, the, war the warranties and the extended warranties, I think, have become more necessary. Uh, mainly mm -hmm. because you can't sure. do half the stuff yourself. Yeah. 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 
Now, Jason and I happened to run into each other the week prior to this conversation in Las Vegas at the 10th Annual Driving Sales Executive Summit. You'll hear us talk about that and his breakout session that he did there around inventory management and improving your closing percentage. So this, I thought, was um, cool. Oh, by the way, you we just saw each other two days ago out driving in Vegas, sales. Driving, yep. sales, mm-hmm. uh, driving Sales Executive Summit. And uh, I know we didn't get to talk a whole lot, but you had a breakout session there, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it was the first time I talked about it because I usually talk a lot about inventory because that's where we focus on. I believe a dealer needs to get the inventory right, then set up a process to follow up and then worry about marketing. A lot of dealers are chasing these marketing, new marketing techniques, social media marketing, digital marketing, uh, digital retail. I mean, so, you know but yet their inventory is jacked up or they don't have a good process in line to handle leads. But as we help dealerships, we help dealerships on inventory management, new and used, but we also help dealerships on internet process management. And um, because of my background from 97 to 05, I ran internet department, sold cars to the internet. I got a really good guy on my team to help dealers. But as we started combining inventory and internet and those lead management and looking at the data, we realized the CRMs don't even talk about um, cars. Uh, for example, as we got dealers better with used car uh, marketing, their used car closing percentage dropped off. And it kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, I would have thought their used car closing percentage would have increased. Um, but what would happen is, for an example, and I have a chart, but you would say, you know, maybe when I was okay with inventory in a car, and then I'd sell it, and there's one lead left that I don't have a car for. But then as we got dealers better with their marketing of their cars, both photos, descriptions, but and or and or pricing, now we're getting three or four leads on a car. And so now that car sells and now I've got four leads left over on a car I can't sell or three leads left over on a car I can't sell. So they're getting an abundance of leads. On, and, and so I was showed in a screenshot. There's a dealer where we're looking at the um, last 60 days, 54% of his active leads that he's still had active in the CRM, 54% are on cars already sold. That only left 44% to sell. So what that means is if you have 100 cars, 100 leads, you only got 44 people left to sell a car to. If you right. sold 10% of those, that's only four deals. And your CRM is going to go, oh, you sold four in 100. And you got a 4% closing percentage. Mm-hmm. And they're like, crap. So now we start hearing dealers on how to then take those leads, put them down a different sales funnel, be open with them. Subject line might say, hey, that 2017 journey sold, now what? Mm-hmm. And make that your subject line and say, you know, obviously you got to look for something else. Is there something in stock? And start putting them down a different funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the CRMs don't even go that deep. And we did some other stuff on new cars and it was really cool. So I went over that and I thought driving sales was a perfect venue to do that at. They seem to, you know, driving sales is always trying to push it, that extra think outside the box stuff. And uh, it was a really good session there, a good conference. Good. So did you get much interaction from the audience while you're going through that? Any good questions? Oh, yeah. I mean, probably half a dozen or so while I'm going through it and another half a dozen at the end. I had about eight people coming up to me at, at the end, uh, especially on the new car part, because we started looking at percentage of new car leads with, with Ford. Let's say we had a Ford store. And we looked at his new car leads and it's been as low as 50% of his new car leads had a Ford at all. 
So what, what we're seeing is the contacts us, the credit apps and the trade in forms are coming in as new. You have to eliminate those out. We're looking at, uh, he's a Kelly Blue Book trade in dealership. So people are trying to get a trade in value and wanted to buy a new 2019 Honda Accord. Well, that's coming in as a new car at a Ford store. And that's throwing off your closing percentage. But as we increase the amount of leads, and then we start looking at how many of those Ford leads actually had stock numbers. And in some months, it's as low as 14%. Some months, it's as high as 50%. Um, and, and as I had more leads with stock numbers, guess what? My closing percentage went up. People were picking out cars in my stock, not just building up on Ford Direct. Mm -hmm. But when I went from a 50% leads with stock numbers down to a 20% leads with stock numbers, my closing percentage dropped. And we want to yell at our crew saying, you guys aren't doing enough calls. You guys aren't doing enough emails. What are you guys doing when their closing percentage dropped off? But it had a lot to do with the inventory. And then we start breaking it down by models and we say F-150s, Focuses, Infusions and say, hey, here's the cars that have, here's the models that have a high closing percentage. And oh, by the way, they happen to have a high leads with stock numbers. And here's the cars with low closing percentage. Well, they had a low percentage of stock numbers. So is that an inventory problem? If my Ford leads are low, lower closing percentage, do I have the wrong color? Maybe I got the reds and the browns and we're out of blacks and silvers. Or maybe my pricing went up and that caused it. But if that wasn't the case, maybe it's a marketing problem. Maybe I need to throw SEM money toward my F-150s, get people off of Google and off of Ford Direct onto my inventory and submitting leads. And as you do that, things increase. So a lot of it didn't have to do with personnel or lead provider as much as it does the inventory, but the CRMs don't cover that. So we're just scratching the surface on them. And that's why I kind of warned them and said, hey, I, you know, I have limited data on this. We've got about you know, half a dozen dealers that we've been looking at this at. I don't have thousands and hundreds and everything else. But you definitely got to start talking to your CRMs to demand this information because it totally, to me, closing percentage is irrelevant now when you start breaking down as far as the performance of a manager or, perf or a performance of a provider. It's almost a lot of times irrelevant because it could be a whole inventory issue. But yeah. you don't see it in your CRMs. And, and the goal isn't to... The goal isn't to lower uh, or to to improve the percentage or the ratio. The goal is to get people in a car that they want. That the metric is used as a uh, obviously to as a as a as a benchmark. But isn't it fair to say that most consumers, uh, while yes, you can run into picky shoppers that want very specific criteria. I think if you're willing to have a a a one on one conversation with them and assure them you're going to help them get what they they get what they get what they want they're probably going to talk with you and give you that opportunity yeah and it could be again with that it could be stocking opportunities too because again maybe i got the wrong cars and if i could see what cars are getting i'm getting the leads on maybe duplicate that you know with right. my if it's a new car maybe do it on dealer trades swap out this color for that color because these cars i've gotten leads on even on used you know, that particular store i pulled up he had five chrysler leads and no cars no chryslers so maybe I got to go look at those leads and replace some of those Chryslers and maybe get those. That's customers a great back barometer. If you've got leads on uh, and you, you see a pattern in there, go find those cars like ASAP. Yeah. I mean, some, I mean, a lot of guys can say, well, shit, you know, there's been times where I've had an 05 with 50,000 miles on it and I got 50 leads on that car. Yeah. You can't replace an 05 with 50,000. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you're getting leads, you had a couple of Chrysler 200s in there that were 17s and they sold quick and you got five leads still sitting there for, some more 17 and maybe I go buy them and then see if I can get these people on them. It all comes down to value. If someone's, if someone's submitting their information based off of, like you said, make and miles and year, and it's a good ratio, they're, they're willing to look at other makes that fit that same criteria. So 
Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, what what happens in your just, uh, internet department, uh, uh, internet rep's going to look at that and go, oh, that car sold. So I'm, uh, you know, and then just left message, left message, you know, and they this, they, or we have an automated email system saying, hey, you still interested in that 2017 Chrysler 200? And the customer says, they never get back to you because they went to your site yesterday and noticed it was that wasn't there anymore. Mm, yeah. But I don't I don't introduce other alternatives to them or saying, hey, if I can replace that car again, would you be interested? Or hey, if, if it was just a sedan at 12 grand, here's five others that we have. Are you interested in these? You know, I, I talk to dealers all the time. When you're communicating an email, do it like you do on your showroom. If if, if a customer came in on the in the door in the showroom and they said, I want this 2017 whatever Dodge Journey, and are you gonna look at them and guy? look them in the eye and say, Oh, that car sold. And then turn around and walk away. I said, cause that's essentially what you're doing now. No, that car sold, you know, or don't even call them cause the car sold, you know, no, you wouldn't do that on the showroom floor. You'd send them down. Well, what was it? What was it about the journey that you liked? Was it the payment? Was it the price? Was it the miles? If that car's no longer available, are you interested in other makes and models? And then you say, Oh shoot, that car sold. But here, let me show you this one. You pull one car up and that's how you need to communicate with your internet leads. But a lot of guys were following up with them on automated emails, asking them if they're still interested in the car that's sold, or we don't call them an email because we know it's sold. I mean, we just move them to lost. And, and so, yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to the cars and the stocking issue. Mm -hmm. You got to know that in your CRM and they don't expose that in CRMs. You got to dig for that. I think it's worth for a dealer, you know, you can get access to other dealers inventory and put them, I mean, I don't want to sound like a slippery slope, but you can list cars in on your website, even though you don't have them in stock, you can list them. Um, and especially if they're in the vicinity and that way you've got more inventory to offer people and keep them there. And then you just go get the car when you know they need it. When, when there, there, there's a company and I can't remember the name and I don't know if I'd drop it anyways, but I can't remember the name, but he, he was at, I, I seen him again at the driving sales and I was going to talk to him, but they allow you to list cars live that are at the auction. Mm -hmm. So you put, so if you only have 50 cars on a lot, yeah, you can have 150. You get to pick and choose which cars you want to put on there and use maybe with the photos from the auction and stuff. And then if you're getting leads on it, then you go buy the car from the auction, right? Mm -hmm. You price it out and then you buy the car from the auction and sell it. So, um, yeah, dealer groups do that all the time, right? You know, we sure. have five stores and when you go to one store, it shows 500 cars instead of the 50 on that one lot. But now here's a way to show 150 cars on a lot that only has 50 and they're accessible. If the car sells at the auction, it drops off your list, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's still available. You know, and then you go buy it. If you get leads on it, you go buy it. So I thought it was a pretty smart idea. I don't know if any dealers using it and the success rate, but he's been around for a little bit. Well, we've got some nifty technology to do things like that. And I'm a big believer. If you just, if you can get a, a customer to give you the time of day, then just find a way to help them out and give them that assurance and communicate with them in that way. And, and do that. And then finally, to wrap up the conversation, we, you'll hear us talk about Ally investing into vehicle subscription service FAIR, which prompts a conversation about how FAIR does help bring new customers to dealers that are taking uh, advantage or utilizing that service. Uh, just one, other, one last news item, if I could, folks. Uh, Ally uh, just came out, uh, is in, has uh, put some more money into FAIR, the vehicle subscription service, it's a hundred million dollar, what they call debt facility, uh, which they announced last week, which is now one tenth of FAIR's debt facility, meaning that FAIR's debt facility right now is stands at a billion dollars. 
um, which is, I think, technically a subsidiary, but that's what they use to buy vehicles for the consumer side and with its partnership with, uh, with Uber. So that's pretty good big news for, for FAIR. And I think it shows Ally, uh, Ally's ability uh, to, to bring in uh, cash, where, cash where it's needed. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I get no, I don't take bird dogs from any company. I, I, I know a fair by talking to them at NADA for a few hours. And I, and I do have a dealer that uses them in Florida and a higher, you know, Miami and stuff. So it's a higher uh, or bigger city. And it makes a lot of sense for dealers on used cars. Um, and and that dealer was having a lot of luck with it and getting rid of, especially the, his uh, lease return or his uh, program cars that are hard to get out of. But if you put that, that car into a budget, into their profile where the payment makes sense, these guys were selling cars and, and it benefits the dealer, you know, because they're making good money off of it. And, and the customer, yeah, it, it sounded like a great program. Again, I'm not there to endorse it, you know, whatever. You got to try it out and do a demo. But I've had, it sounded smart when I listened to them. I had some dealers handling some good luck for them. You know, that was three or four months ago I heard from that dealer. So I'm, I'm assuming it's still going good for them on it. But it's a pretty smart yeah. program. It is a so, smart program. From what I understand, it really doesn't cost a dealer to participate. Uh, but once Fair, you know, gets a customer for the vehicle, then they buy it. So you're basically, you know, you're, selling your car and i would say the biggest thing then if you're doing the delivery on the car that's going through fair is to get the customer into your service drive because that's where you're going to also make that money make because obviously they're probably buying it local but get them into your service drive show them how to make appointments introduce them to your service riders because that's the other aspect because once you get them because then maybe they get the next car from you because they're going to go back in the fair and find another car at that value and maybe it's not yours but if they like doing business that kind of thing so um, get them in your service department and keep them coming back. That's a really good point. No guarantee they're going to uh, be with FAIR for the rest of their lives. They're going to have friends. And uh, you, I think that gets missed a lot is is uh, get, getting that referral. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just got a car from FAIR. I got this dealership and they were awesome and I loved them. You should go check out their cars. I mean, FAIR in itself is also helps with uh, consumer consumer acquisition. Now, the Used Car Week uh, annual conference is coming up in November. Jason will be there speaking uh, about his first 30 philosophy, which is that the best performing stores sell 60 to 70% of their vehicles in the first 30 days. Used Car Week is coming Mm -hmm. up. You are headed there and you are speaking there. Why don't you uh, 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 fill us in on what you have going on there? Uh, I'm going to be talking about the, I, I've been there probably six years in a row to me. It's one of the best, I would say, if anybody used car manager, managing inventory, best conference out there, obviously it's used car week. It doesn't just dabble in some used car sessions. That's all it's about, but I'm going there to talk about, um, the first 30 and again, the importance of the first 30 and what's cool, good and bad as a presenter, cause I could talk forever. As you can see, you know, we only get a 30 minute slot. So as a dealer and people have short attention spans, you know, it's good, good little workshops, um, quick, fast and get good information. Um, but I'm going to talk about the first 30, you know, the best performing stores across the country sell 60 to 70% of their sales in the first 30 days. Um, I give out wristbands for dealers. Anybody wants a wristband that says first 30 to keep your team motivated because if you can get 60 to 70% of your sales in the first 30 days, you're going to increase your gross. We all know the money's made on the fresh stuff, but in order to do that, you have to have 
60 to 70% of your inventory fresh can't have any age stuff like I was talking about. So I'm going to be digging into the first 30 there, handing out some wristbands. Uh, but again, it's a, it's a really good session there. I'm going to be there on the, it's a whole week, but I'm going to be there the first three days. Um, I also have passes. If anybody, any dealer, dealer manager wants to attend this, I think it's a thousand bucks just to, to get to the first three slots. I have passes to get you in on that for free. So you just got to get there. Um, and, and again, it, I mean, it comes over recovery, you know, we're talking about claims and recovery there. You got things about, uh, trades, you got things about wholesale and, and financing and buy here, pay here. And just all of it is, is totally surrounded with a good batch of, uh, uh, a speaker's and panelists there. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the AutoConverse Mobility Tech and Connectivity Podcast. You are looking to be more profitable in the used car business, which I don't know why you wouldn't be. Go over to autoconversion.net, look under the webcast menu, look for this used car marketing webcast series. Get yourself registered. That will automatically send you an invite each month to participate in this conversation with us. You can participate in the Q&A as an attendee or as a panelist where you can share your audio and your video. And additionally, you'll receive an invitation to join our member network in Slack and we'll add you to the used car marketing channel, which will allow you 24-7 access to others in the group. We want to help you be more profitable and it starts by you meeting us halfway. Thanks again. I'm Ryan Girardi. If you like what we're doing, head on over to the iTunes store or Google Play. Leave us a rating and a review. This will help us get more exposure. Uh, you can also visit our Facebook page and leave us a review there as well. Have a great day, everyone. This is Audiburst Media.